This morning I have two stories I wish to share with you. Elizabeth and Matt longed to start a family. Unable to have a child of their own, they decided to adopt a baby girl from China. After a 14-month application process, they were approved and received a picture of their daughter, whom they named Natalie. They traveled to China, and at a hotel in Nanjing, Elizabeth and Matt received little Natalie. But something was wrong. The baby had a large scar along her back. There was a rattle in her chest. She was thin and pale. She was a year old, but could not sit up or hold a bottle. She suffered from the worst case of diaper rash the couple had ever seen. A doctor was summoned. He confirmed that the baby was severely ill. The scar was the result of a poorly performed surgery to remove a tumor from Natalie's spine. She would be paralyzed from the waist down. She had a form of spina bifida as well. The embarrassed orphanage director assured the couple that in cases like these, we can rematch with another baby. The process would be expedited and the Fitzsimmons could go home on schedule. Elizabeth and Matt were devastated at what bringing Natalie home would entail. But as Elizabeth wrote, how could we leave her? Had I given birth to a child with these conditions, I wouldn't have left her in the hospital. I pictured myself boarding the plane with some faceless replacement child and then explaining to friends and family that she wasn't Natalie, that we had left Natalie in China because she was too damaged, that the deal had been a healthy baby and she wasn't. I knew that this was my test, my life's worth distilled to this moment. I was shaking my head no before they finished explaining. We didn't want another baby, I told them. We wanted our baby, the one sleeping right over there. She's our daughter, I said. We love her. Matt, who had been sitting on the bed, lifted his glasses and wiping tears from his eyes, nodded in agreement. The story has a happy ending. Natalie has battled back to develop into a bright, happy little girl. The diagnosis by the doctor proved to be wrong. She is walking and talking and doing fine. Elizabeth writes, It's tempting to think that our decision was validated by the fact that everything turned out okay. But for me, that's not the point. Our decision was right because she was our daughter and we loved her. We would not have chosen the burdens we anticipated, but we are stronger than we thought. As a mother comforts a child, so will I comfort you. Those are from Isaiah chapter 66, our first reading. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. The love that Elizabeth and Matt had for Natalie, we will accept her and care for her no matter what, is a glimpse of the love that God has for each one of us. God chooses to love each of us, whatever our condition, whatever our state or stage in life.
Now, a story about a man I'll call Mr. Brown. Only a nightlight and what light of the moon's rays can break through the window blinds cuts the frightening darkness of the hospital room. The male patient fears his aloneness, yet dreads interruptions from the medical staff out of his deep guilt over yet another hospitalization for detoxification. Once again, his resolutions to stay away from alcohol have failed, and helpless to quit once he took an initial drink, he drank himself to near oblivion. All his thoughts were bleak. They are those of a lost man, a man whose family has long given up, whose working days are but memories, whose friends are mostly nameless drinking companions. His bleak thoughts are interrupted by footsteps in the corridor. The door to his room swings open. His heart leaps in fear as a short, fully costumed nun enters. Hello, Mr. Brown. I'm Sister Blondine. I want to help you. Her voice is soft yet firm. The words are clear, clipped, and almost rehearsed. And indeed they are, for this nun is nearly as fearful as the patient. But what she fears is that the words that she says might turn him further into himself to where he totally rejects all aid from her. And Sister Blondine wants so much to help this man. Resolutely, she brings herself to the task. As if reading his mind, she asks, Would you like a drink, Mr. Brown? Would he like a drink? A drink that would ease his aches, that would push the pain of remembering away, even for a short time. But is she joking with him? Could this strange little nun be here to torment him further? On the off chance that she is indeed serious, he mumbles, Yes, a drink would be great, sister. Miracle of miracles. Sister Blondine, glancing over to be sure the door is closed, reaches into some mysterious pocket inside her long black habit and pulls out a small bottle. She takes the water glass off his bedside stand, empties the little water into the nearby pitcher, on capping the bottle, she pours the brown liquid into the glass, stopping only when the glass is nearly half full. Suspicious, the patient briefly sniffs at the glass, then takes a large gulp from the glass while eyeing the nun cautiously. Finishing the drink, he begins to feel the initial euphoria that comes with knowing that alcohol will soon be coursing through his veins, bringing him a few moments of peace. Not knowing what to say to her, he stares up at Sister Blondine, waiting for her next move. He doesn't have to wait long. She smiles, then says, That's all you're going to get, Mr. Brown. And now you're going to listen to me for a few minutes. You are an alcoholic, Mr. Brown. Not because you want to be, but because you can't help it. You have an illness, one over which you have no control. It is a fatal illness, and surely you will die from it if you continue with your drinking. You can be helped, Mr. Brown, the nun continued, because I have seen men as badly off as you, some even worse, helped. 
Then she threw the hooker. Do you want to be helped, Mr. Brown? He thought about that question, as he had in a few semi-sober moments before. He thought about a few persons he knew who did not drink, were not hooked to booze, and actually seemed to have some happiness. He thought of how he had at times envied them. Then, as he had before, he dismissed it with a spoken sentence, Don't kid me, sister. There isn't any help for me. I can't quit drinking. It's too late for me. He waited for her to end the conversation, to mutter a few prayers, or say the rosary, or whatever it was these nuns did when they visited a hospital room. But she continued to stand there. Then she said, I believe you can be helped, Mr. Brown, if you really want to. I believe you are a really worthwhile person, that inside your alcohol fog brain is a truly wonderful mind. And I believe that that mind can accept some really simple messages that some men just like you have put together to help themselves to stop drinking and start living. As she turned to leave his room, Sister Blondine said some parting words that startled and yet gave a bit of peace to the man. She said, Good night, Mr. Brown. I love you, and so does God. I got this story from a woman in Wisconsin, and she was doing research on women pioneers in the treatment of alcoholism. She had contacted me because she heard I was related to Sister Blondine, otherwise known as Sister Blondine Isley. Sister Blondine was my dad's first cousin. Now, I had heard stories of Sister Blondine, but I never met her. She died in 1981 at the age of 86. But I leave for a retreat uh, to Wisconsin, and on my way, I'm going to be driving through Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. That's the place where the congregation, the mother house is. That's where she's buried. That's where Blondine House is located. Blondine House began in 1980 as a treatment place for alcohol and other drug abuse. It was named in honor of Sister Blondine, and I just checked their website. They're still going strong today. I'll let you know what I find out when I get back. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. Sometimes in our life, we need to be comforted. God is always there for us, sometimes in surprising ways. Sometimes in our life, God uses us to bring comfort to others. Jesus sent out the 72 to proclaim the kingdom of God. How or to who? Is the Lord sending you today?